0: once again, and welcome into this edition of Maroon and Bold. I'm your sports editor, Austin Chastain, for Central Michigan Life. And here on Zoom, I guess, alongside uh, Christian Boer and Andy Loveland, two of our staff reporters. Gentlemen, how are things going for you guys? Uh, Are you guys maintaining some kind of sanity?
1: Oh, yeah. I think that things are going well. Um, Obviously, we're getting kind of cabin fever at this point. We're about a month in the quarantine but it was refreshing to have something that resembles live sports on last night in the michael jordan documentary um and so it was cool to see people live tweeting sports again uh firing off hot takes it almost felt like we were back to normal right absolutely
0: andy how about you
2: man yeah i mean same thing i Friday, WNBA draft. I gave that a look for a little bit. And then last night, the last dance. So it was the first time I think I'd watched any sporting event live. I mean, I'd kept up with some of the stuff they'd done on Twitter mostly because I, I don't do a whole bunch of the Twitch stuff. But it was it was nice. And I got to say, I'm, I think uh, I'm ready for next weekend. But we'll have more stuff here. The NFL draft is coming up. And I think that's what we're yeah. about to hear.
0: Absolutely. NFL drafts coming up this week and that's what this episode is surrounded around. Um, you know, it, obviously it's one of the, one of the few, uh, live sporting, live sporting events, uh, coming up here, um, amid amid the coronavirus quarantine and pandemic and everything going on. As you can see, I'm in, uh, I'm in a makeshift version of Kelly short stadium, um, uh, an Isaac Ritchie original photo for whoever, whatever that's worth. And, and Andy is uh, down, down in the in the Brown Stadium at the moment. Uh, Energy. What is it? First Energy Stadium, right? That's right. That's right. So uh, guys, let's get right into it. Um, NFL, like I said, NFL draft starts this week uh, on it Thursday, Friday.
1: Mm-hmm, Thursday. Thursday. Thursday night.
0: That's right. But, my brain so disconnected, but but guys, kind of looking at it. Who are your guys' top three picks overall, and kind of give give, give some reasoning why why do you guys why do you guys think those respective guys belong belong in those spots?
1: I think you got to start at top with Burrow, Joe Burrow, the quarterback at LSU. The things he's done in in the two years there down in the Bayou, I think he could come in and turn a franchise around, especially a franchise like the Bengals who, you know, they thought they struck gold with Andy Dalton and then things kind of got turned on their head. And so I think it's time for them to start over and take a quarterback there. Um, it's hard to believe that he was somebody's backup at Ohio State. Um, moving forward, I think I think the Redskins, Washington, a lot of talk that they might try to take Tua. I don't think so. I think it'll be Chase Young and then maybe the Lions trade out at three, but I think they've got Jeff Okuda, zeroed in on wherever they decide to take him, whether it's at three or whether they decide to trade back.
0: Absolutely. Andy, um, how are, how are your, your top three, is it any different than, uh, than or what's, what, uh, what's your list look like? Yeah. So I think I've got
2: Burrow one, like everyone else, I think it'd be the biggest surprise of the entire year. If Burrow didn't go one, Um, And then I know Ron Rivera, and there's a lot of stuff, like he said, about them taking Tua. They're not stupid. Chase Young's a better player and will be a better player than Joe Burrow. So they'll have Chase Young immediately. That's that's a no-brainer. I think the Lions, Okuda is a player I think that's very much in play for them. But I think the more you watch tape of Isaiah Simmons, that's that's a Matt Patricia player right there. Patricia will pass up a guy like Simmons who can play – I mean, he played six different positions last year on defense over 120 snaps. So, I know they'd like to replace Slay, but Simmons is going to be too tempting, I think.
3: Right
0: on. And I'm going to be lame. My, my my list looks exactly like Christian's. I've got I've got Joe Burrow going number one. What he was able to do at LSU last year was just impressive. I mean, he was able to take control of a team that, well, he was—he was, he was able to take control of that offense and, and lead it through a really tough SEC schedule and all the way, and, and I mean, dominated almost every game that 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 they played last year. They dominated that college football playoff semifinal against Oklahoma, and then and then dominated the second half against Clemson in the in the national championship game. So, seeing Joe Burrow and what he was able to do, I, no doubt number one. I think he's going to be a great great um refresher for for Cincinnati again Chase Young uh at at number two for the Redskins he's his his his, his prowess is just scary he, he's honestly he's a frightening frightening defensive end and he's going to be great too for the Redskins and then I, I I like Jack Okuda going number three for the Lions uh not much not much really to say there Christian pretty much tackled that but uh yeah, he's he's going to be he's going to be a really really interesting interesting um, pickup for the Lions. Um, you know, you guys both mentioned it. Uh, Tua, Hengelvaloa. Um, not sure where he's going to go. Not sure how healthy he is. That kind of thing. Just to kind of get you guys' opinion on on him real quick. Um, where do you where do you think he might end up? Where do you you know? Is, is he going to end up not not with the Redskins? You know, where, where do you guys think he's going to end up when when this is all over?
1: You know, there's been talk about either L.A. or Miami moving up to three to try and jump the other team to get them. And I think that while that's a, a pretty solid possibility, given the Lions general manager track record, I don't think anybody's scared of Detroit taking him at three. So, And then New York, obviously, at four. They took their their future quarterback last season. And then Miami at five and Los Angeles at six. And so I certainly think that one of those two teams will get him and take a chance on him because I think that what you've seen at Alabama is is a good enough sample size to where if he is healthy, he can merit the risk of taking him and the injuries that he's had. And so I think – that I, my guess would be Miami at five. But if they don't take him, Los Angeles will certainly get him at six.
2: Yeah, I'd say the same thing. I think Miami is a good place. I mean, there's been a lot of buzz lately about them with Herbert. So we'll see what that really means for them. Otherwise, I think uh, don't be afraid to see somebody else. I mean, I don't, the Ra- Raiders have a lot of draft capital, and I don't know how confident David Carr or they are in Derek Carr. Um, so we'll see. I mean, is that a trade lions can make? Cause that's where you'd need to go. If you're another team that wants to get to it, you'd have to go up to three with Detroit. And I think Detroit is for whatever reason, eager to get out of that pick, a team with not a lot of, you know, depth, depth of talent on their team. And they're really, really eager to just get a lot of, a lot of players quickly. So.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you guys. I mean, and,
1: and, I could see him going to
0: the Chargers and Phillip Rivers. Um, I could also see him going to the Dolphins because they need pretty much all the help they can they can get at the quarterback position. Um, so either way, I mean, the Chargers are either going to get two or, or Justin Herbert and the Dolphins are going to get two or Justin Herbert. So it, it, it's going to be uh, that quarterback position for both of those teams is going to be filled up pretty nicely uh, depending on who they get, no matter who they get, but, but yeah, those are those are two; those are definitely two guys to keep an eye out for. Uh, Tua and uh, Justin Herbert coming out of Oregon. All right, guys. Um, also, want to take a look. You'll kind of find that the theme of this is we're going to go from broad to focused to ultra-focused. Um, but we'll 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 go to that kind of focused area now uh, with the. Who are your top three guys in the state of Michigan uh, that could come out and make some make some noise? Not only not just in the draft, but you know, once once the season, um, once the NFL season ro- rolls around.
1: Um, I think you got to go up front with Michigan, the University of Michigan, with two guys, uh, Caesar Ruiz, their center, and then Ben Bredesen, a guard. Both of those guys were like anchors, you know, up front for the Wolverines. They were mainstays. Uh, John Runyon's another guy that's probably going to go a little bit later, but he was another guy on that offensive line where, you know, they're just rock solid up front. The quarterback play wasn't great, and so that's why they kind of faltered, but the offensive line for Michigan, all those guys have future at the the next level. Also, Donovan Peoples-Jones was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. He's one of the top receivers in the country. Something didn't go well for him at Michigan. Obviously, we don't know if it was a quarterback play or if maybe he's just a guy with a ton of athletic ability but maybe needs a little bit more fine-tuning on the skill side. Um, did well at the combine, showed out well at the combine. Good vertical, good 40, good shuttle time. But it's going to be really interesting to see if he can get in the right scheme and uh, really show off some of that potential at the next level.
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree full-heartedly with that. I think that offensive linemen for Michigan, they, they're Big Ten offensive linemen. So, the Big Ten has a history of putting out good offensive linemen. I mean, you look at Joe Thomas, and you've got guys up until now that are that are awesome from the Big Ten. So, I think that's where you look first, just because Michigan, since Habra has taken over, has had a lot of success. But their skill position players haven't panned out the way they thought they would. You know, you look at – you bring in a guy like Shea P- Patterson from – Ole Miss, who was a five star quarterback coming out of high school and who's never materialized in anything really at the college level. So I don't think he's going to do much. Uh, Donovan Peoples Jones is an interesting one because I think he is a name where he might not go until round four. But if he gets in the right spot, the way Christian was saying, I think he could have an immediate impact where, you know, suddenly he's, you know, one of the top rookie receivers in in the in the game. And I think he would be talked about higher if this receiving class wasn't absolutely loaded. I mean, it's not his fault. He's a fourth round pick at this point. It's, we're talking three, four, five guys might go in the first round. So. Right.
0: Where, where do you think he would be one of those points? If people uh, showed for the land that he could excel, I'd uh, be it either him being drafted or maybe even signing a, a another kind of deal.
1: I think looking at people's Jones, I think one of the places where he could really fit in well would be if he were able to get into a wide open scheme, um, Baltimore comes to mind, you know, they have such a, a premium on speed over there at, at uh, for with the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, obviously at quarterback. And then you guys got, got guys like Hollywood Brown who would just take the top off of defenses at any given minute with their speed. So I think if you were to get into a, a scheme like that, um, maybe even a place like New Orleans with an experienced quarterback. And you got a guy like Michael Thomas, who's a a bona fide number one. Um, You learn the ropes from guys like that. And I think that would be really beneficial for him because like I said, the athletic ability is there for him. It's just a matter of can he get it fine-tuned. Had a little bit of an issue with his hands at points in his career. And if you get him learning from a guy like Michael Thomas or Julio Jones in Atlanta, he could be dangerous.
0: Have thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think, I think uh, Atlanta is probably too crowded right now for people's Jones with Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. And it doesn't look like either of those guys are going anywhere anytime soon. Immediately. I think of a place like Arizona who, you know, you've got, now you've got DeAndre Hopkins, but you've got a young Kyler Murray and you've got Cliff Kingsbury who really wants to spread the ball out, air it out. And, you know, do some different things. Um, again, I agree with the Saints. Maybe one of those places like uh, L.A. or Miami, who are taking a young quarterback and need need later picks to be players who can step up in ways that maybe they aren't expected to right away in the draft. So, I mean, maybe he gets paired with like a Tua or a Justin Herbert in Miami, and they kind of learn together. And you know, it's it's a two to three year process before we're saying you know either of those guys are a household name, but now they are, but yeah, I think he's got ability, but I think, yeah, those are, those are the spots I see immediately where he could have some kind of impact, at least down the road.
0: Right on. Yeah. I mean, I, I I like that kind of what Christian was saying that kind of wide open scheme, like that, that high powered offense, like what Arizona likes to run, with Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury and all, all of those guys. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he could have a lot of success if he's like Andy said, if he's able to hit that, hit that right spot, if he's able to find, find the right, find the right team and, um, find that right scheme that I, I think he'll think he'll do. think he'll do great things. Um, you know, just for whatever it's worth. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to kind of throw out a couple of, picks uh, from from the state that come to my mind. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones is one of them, so we'll, we'll skip that. Cody White from Michigan State, looking like a, a late-round pick, maybe even go, going undrafted. And Levante Bellamy from Western Michigan, set all kinds of records down there in Kalamazoo. I know this is a CMU show, but we're talking about the state here. What, what are your guys' thoughts? It seems a little random, I know, on, on Cody White and Levante Bellamy. Are are those guys, you know, are are they threats to to be mid to late round picks, or do you think both
1: those guys maybe go undrafted? Um, with Cody White, I think that similarly to Donovan Peoples Jones over at Michigan, I think quarterback play might have been an issue there. Obviously, although Brian Lewerke started out, he had a couple of pretty good years, and I think he kind of his production tailed off there towards the end which I think has taken him off of a lot of draft boards and maybe is the reason why we're not talking about him right now as, to opposed, as opposed to Cody White. Cody White's a good athlete. You know, he's made some pretty, pretty good catches over there. He's got all the talent in the world. It's just like Andy said earlier, it's a loaded receiving class. I think that if he isn't drafted, he's got a really good shot to stick with a team on a UDFA contract, and he's going to make a team pretty happy if he can get in the right system. And as far as Levante Bellamy, man, the dude's got all the speed in the world. He's fast, um, which obviously is huge at the running back position. A little bit undersized, but what he lacks in size, he makes up for with strength. And so I think that there will be a team in the later rounds that maybe has a, a pretty solid starting running back that maybe takes a flyer on him in case something happens to a starter and you need him in a pinch for three or four games.
2: Yeah, I think for White, uh, we'll see. He ran a terrible 40 time at the Combine, so that doesn't help. You know, that's going to put him out of a lot of things because usually if you don't have tape, if you've got good numbers, you know, you're more likely to climb up boards. But he doesn't have that, so we'll see where he can land and what he can kind of work with because, I mean, there's there's stories out there. You know, you think of Adam Thielen and other guys who were undrafted Mm -hmm. from – you know, small, even smaller schools than Michigan state. So, you, you know, there's the opportunity there again, if you just get the right fit. And then same thing for Bellamy. I mean, the problem with both of these positions right now is you, you kind of see, I mean, you look at a player like uh, Brandon cooks has been traded three times in the last three years, you know, you, and we saw it happen with Melvin Gordon and Le'Veon Bell. So both of these positions are undervalued. So the, you're, they're less likely to take a lead around fly around a guy when I could, you know, try and get an edge rusher or a cornerback or somebody else who's going to pan out and then just pick these guys up undrafted. And if they don't work, kind of just toss them the curb because that's – analytics just doesn't say you need stars at these positions anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. You know, there has been a lot of change with those two particular positions and wide receiver and running back. And, yeah, I mean, they're – it seems like anybody that, that gets drafted um, in those positions can break out, even though, even if it's not a name that necessarily you hear of a bunch while they're in college. Once they get to the NFL, I mean, it's it's kind of everybody can do their own thing, and, and everybody has kind of done their own thing for the last couple of years, which makes those positions, starting in those positions, kind of difficult to uh, difficult to find, difficult to, to be able to pick that up Right out of the draft, or on a undrafted free agent contract kind of thing, makes it kind of interesting. Um, real quick, uh, we're we're going to be talking with um, Ben Raven, who covers the Lions for M Just real quick, what it, what what are you guys expecting uh, from the Lions uh, this in the in the draft uh, coming up later this?
1: Um, I think that they're going to try to trade out a three, like we've talked about whether or not that happens. I'm not so sold that it does. Um, just because I, gosh, I don't see anybody moving up that far to take Tua. uh, but I mean, it is draft night, crazier things have happened. I think that obviously they go defense in round one and then, you know, in the middle rounds, they try to get a skill guy or two, and beef up the offensive line. Everything I've been reading points to, you know, either an edge rusher, or a running back, or a receiver in the middle rounds two through about four or five, and then in the in the late rounds, you're just hoping to to get a steal. Maybe somebody falls a little bit further than they should, and you know, this is do or die for Bob Quinn and company. According to what we everything we've heard with it being win now or bust, and so they're going to be going all out, and I. I'm excited to see what they can get and what it translates to on the field.
2: Yeah, I'd say absolutely. I think you'd expect, I mean, I think defense first round second round, if they can get it, you know, I think there's a lot of buzz around, um, gosh, all right. I'm blanking on a name. i Winfield, Antoine Winfield Jr. Yes. There's a lot of buzz around him and it, I mean, that's somebody I think a lot of teams are aiming for a second round, but now there's buzz that he might crawl up as far as, you know, mid first round. Um, I don't know. There, another name is like, can they get JK Dobbins early in the second round? You know, not that they need a running back, but carry on Johnson hasn't proven that he can stay healthy, but I think you're ultimately looking at the lions and they're missing a lot of defensive pieces. So it is, you know, win an hour bust for Quinn and, Quinn and Patricia. So I wouldn't be surprised if they just are drafting a ton of players who maybe don't project out as the best, but can play tomorrow, you know, like Isaiah Simmons can play tomorrow. Will he be as impactful in the future as Okuda? I don't know, but he'll be ready tomorrow. You know, Winfield, you've got a bunch of other defensive players throughout the draft. And then maybe like later down, you know, a guy like Chase Claypool, can he help Matthew Stafford? So I think, I think they've got a the problem for the Lions is they've got to win now, and they, but they also have a lot of holes. That's how you're picking three.
0: <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm right there. I'm right there with you guys. Um, absolutely. Um, now moving on, that ultra-focus part of, part of the show that I, I mentioned before, talking Central Michigan, uh, first – I want to take just a quick look back. Um, I'm not sure how well you can see. uh, It's whatever on on the video board here in Kelly Short Stadium. uh, Eric Fisher is on the board as uh, one of the one of the former Chippewas in the NFL. Um, Obviously, he's the only number one draft pick in conference history and CMU history. Um, But you know, in recent years, CMU has seen a couple of couple guys go. Um, into, into the NFL, uh, Sean Murphy Bunting and Xavier Crawford come to mind as, as they went in last year and had pretty successful rookie campaigns, especially Sean Bunting uh, able to do a lot of a lot of great things. Um, you know, what do you guys make of the seniors and the guys going into the draft this year? From Central Michigan, um, there there are three guys that come to mind for us, uh, at least for me. Excuse me, um, Jonathan Ward, Quan Jamison, and Sean Adesanye. Those those three guys. You know what, what do those guys bring? What can they bring to an NFL team? And ultimately, do you think they um, do you think they they land somewhere?
1: Um, starting offensively with Jonathan Ward, I think Jonathan Ward's biggest asset is the fact that he can make an impact not only running the ball but also catching not a great pass protector, which kind of limits his value, but very very multi-dimensional. You can line him up in the slot, you can line him up out wide, and he can make plays in space, which is you know, like Andy said though it's it's, there's kind of been a premium placed on running backs and wide receivers. They're a little bit undervalued, which kind of limits the whether or not he can get drafted or not. Obviously, he's going to make a team happy if everything pans out. He's got big hands, which helps you know, with carrying the football. But on the same coin, he struggled with fumbles at times. You know, Coming to mind that game that's being shot in your, in your background there, Austin, that was the opening that game against Albany where he fumbled twice. So he, there's been the struggles with ball control. Um, you know, as far as, as Sean Asanye and Quan Jamison, both of those guys were talented defenders for the Chippewas. I'm just not so sure if they can stand out, not having a pro day or getting combine invites to the point where a team will draft them.
2: Yeah. I think the biggest thing here for central Michigan is just, players like that are who are hit most by this quarantine. I mean, no pro day, you know, they obviously didn't get combine invites. They couldn't get draft workouts. So you, these unknown players who maybe have some tape, you know, I think of Jameson, there's probably some tape out there that a defensive coach is looking at saying like, okay, this kid can do some things, but how fast is he actually? And you, how much, how good is his technique? You know, and you can't necessarily look at those things up close So I think that's where they're going to struggle this year is it's unfortunate. I think in years past, I'd almost say, especially with Jameson, no doubt he could at least get a combine invite uh, or a, you know, training camp invite, and then we'll see how he can turn that, you know, same thing with Adesanya, you know, he's got some tape where you're thinking like, okay, that's a basis we can work. How is everything else? Like what's teachable and what's not. But with no hands-on before the draft, I'd be shocked if they went at all. Ward is another thing where he just missed a combine invite somehow. I'm not sure how that how he didn't at least get an invite. But, yeah, the biggest problem for him is fumbles. I mean, I think of the homecoming game where he, had, he broke off a, a pretty big run, you know, fought for extra yards, gets it to the goal line, and then fumbles. You know, and it, there's a lot of those plays where, like, it's – Half of it is the good Jonathan Ward, and then half of it is, you know, where demons come out as far as, like, fumbling and stuff like that. And I think another problem for Ward is he wasn't a four-year producer. You know, you look, there's 1,000 yards multiple times, but also there's a gap in the middle where he didn't reach 1,000. And I think that's another thing where, like, when you're looking at small schools, typically those players that get drafted, you know, in the third, fourth round – have been like historically high producers in their conference consistently, you know, but I think the there's pedigree with central Michigan, obviously with Fisher and, and Bunting might have been the best defensive back drafted last year from anywhere, so I think there's pedigree there where there's a chance that just from being from central Michigan that those guys will at least get looks whenever this is all over
0: yeah i'm I'm right there with you, I mean i I will third that Jonathan Ward's you know his one glaring fault that he has is is his turnovers. I mean that, that, I mean you guys you, I'm just beating dead horse at this point, but um uh, you know the the one game that comes to mind for me is the Western Michigan game on that first drive uh, takes runs up the left side and and fumbles, and that turned the momentum of that game and and got it started off pretty pretty poorly for CMU and they ended up losing. Um, but, uh, I think there's a lot of good, and I, I, I'm, I'm with Andy on here. I don't, I don't understand quite how he didn't get that combine invite. And then every, everything that's kind of, everything that has transpired with, with the quarantine is without having a pro day. I mean, I think he, it, again, I disagree with the fact that I disagree that he's with him not getting a combine invite with. I think Jonathan Ward should have been there and I think he would have performed pretty well, honestly. Um, and he, he, I feel like he's kind of been almost been slighted his entire career. I mean, he finished what third team all Mac this year when, I mean, he was, he was one of the leaders throughout and he was one of the leaders throughout the year. I mean, he missed a couple of games with a shoulder injury and he still ran for over 1200 yards. Um, so I mean I would argue he's at least second team, um, but I I get it. Um, and to Andy's point of you know guys in the conference that that dominate getting late round looks. I mean look at Levante Bellamy. We're we're questioning whether he gets drafted, you know third fourth maybe even the fifth round maybe even not at all. Um, and he I mean he set all kinds of records at at Western. Um, so that, that's just kind of that same, and he's right, you know, Ward's junior year, that 2018 season, I mean, he he struggled mightily. Um, I think he only played in nine games that year, and he just couldn't quite find a rhythm, and it it, it was, I mean, he just struggled. His, his sophomore year, that 2017 season, I mean, he, he, he played great. He was a catalyst for that offense. Same thing in 2019, he and, he and Kobe Lewis, I mean, I, I know it's, but we're not talking about, about um, the team right now, but I mean, that that tandem was able to, to feed off of each other. Um, those two guys really took care of business. Daquan Jamison, I think he had a couple of different, um, he, he showed a lot of what he can do and what he can bring um, to teams, but that the secondary as a whole for CMU last year was kind of... Kind of had some spots in it that t- – had some weak spots in it. Um, not saying Jamison was one of those, but if, if you look as a whole, that secondary was – had a couple of different weak spots. Uh, I think Jamison was one of, those, one of those strong spots um, to kind of help bolster the secondary as the season went along. He had two, two interceptions, um, I think almost in consecutive drives against Bowling Green. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, he helped seal that game away as well and Sean Adesanya I think he was a little bit underwhelming uh this year but I think he still showed a lot um do I think do I think he gets gets drafted I don't think so but I do I could see him getting a, a training camp invite um something like that and kind of if he doesn't, if he doesn't quite make it in the NFL, I could see him maybe going to the CFL um, or something, something along those lines, a secondary league, and and having a lot of success over there as well. Uh, still, kind of having that dream of playing professional football, and um, I, I I think any 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 of those three guys, I think those guys could go to maybe a secondary league, prove themselves, and maybe end up in the NFL or or thrive really. Strongly in in one of those leagues.
2: So. Um. Yeah, we'll we'll see with all those guys. I think I think not having eyes on even Bellamy and Western and stuff like that. Those Mac guys really, I think, get a boost from pro days, combine invites, and a lot of that. And having none of that stuff really hurts. Hurts chances for a lot of guys in the conference to either get drafted or to you know in like bellamy's case you like you said like move up the board you know now he might be a 7th round pick but how far could he have moved up i you know i think of a guy like murphy bunting last year who at the end of the season was you know a late round pick but then as people saw different tape and different workouts and combine stuff he moved up where he was, you know yeah. the only the second cornerback or was it, he was the first cornerback taken over the board. so
1: yeah you know he shot right up the draft boards thanks like pro day and the combine, which is the uh, something that these guys don't get. Another na- a couple of names that, that stick out from CMU's roster. Oge Udeku. I don't know if he gets drafted because you know, obviously, once again, no pro day or anything like that, but good size. Uh, he's a strong dude. And I think that he could stick if he gets into a training camp. And obviously, the Quentin Dormity, you know, the one year he had here. I he won't get drafted. He may be a camp arm. You know, you hear talk of the guys that get brought in to throw a couple of corner outs. I, I just don't see him sticking either. I, you know, he struggled a little bit with injuries throughout his college career, and really, just didn't. I mean, I don't, I don't think he put up the numbers at Central Michigan to warrant that extra look that a team may give him. So those are just another, a couple other guys, but. Even guys like Dan LaFever, who back when they were in, at Central Michigan, they were dynamite for four years, and they they get drafted, and it just doesn't pan out. You got a guy like Kavon Frazier, who Daquan Jameson reminds me a lot of, and they've been working out together in preparation for all this, where you get drafted in the sixth or seventh round, or don't get drafted at all, but you turn enough heads in camp to the point where you make it to the preseason, and then you make some plays in special teams in the preseason, and. Just like that, you're on the 53-man roster going into year one and your name's out there. So it's just a matter of can you produce when the time comes. And unfortunately for these guys, they haven't had as many opportunities as they would in any other year. Yeah, and
0: I'm going to, um, with Francher and, and Murphy Bunker, those two and, and Jameson are all really close. Our um, our, our guy, Evan Pencil, wrote, wrote a really cool story about Jameson and the relationship that he has with both Frazier and and Murphy Bunting. Um, And he, Jameson's been able to follow those guys' examples at CMU and, and improve year in and year out. And throughout his career, he's, he's been able to to show a lot of what he can do and, and what, like I said earlier, like what he brings to any team, not, not just CMU, not just an NFL team, but, to, to anybody, um, and uh, you know, if if somebody maybe wants to take take a chance, I think I think they would be pretty happy with uh, with what they're going to get uh, from 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 Dequan Jamison. And um, like I said, he could be he could be wildly successful um, in the NFL if if yeah. those things pan out the right way. And and you know, you could. Someone could go in the second round, you know, someone, you know, like Christian said, someone can go in the second round and be a complete bust and not, not have it work out. So you, you just never know. That's both the, uh, the beauty and I guess the, um, the frightening part of the NFL draft is you have no idea what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, some you take a chance, put a lot of uh, stake in one person, they don't end up being exactly what, what you're hoping for. Not not exactly perfect in terms of, uh, I guess, what you're looking for.
1: One question I want to pose to you guys, um, looking at the future, who are some guys that maybe next year or the following year could we be sitting here at this time next year two years from now talking about maybe if they have a better chance, than some of these guys do. Obviously, they would probably get a look at a combine. What comes to my mind, guys like Khalil Pimpleton, Kobe Lewis, and Troy Brown are three guys that I think next year or the year after, obviously all three are heading into their junior seasons, and I don't know if they can jump off enough draft boards. I think if there's one guy who's got a chance to be an early departure, it's Pimpleton, because the dude is a game-breaker. He can make – Plays in special teams. We've seen him run back punts that have been called back, obviously. But you know he can ca- he can catch, he can run, and he's even been able to throw it a couple times, being a former high school quarterback. So I think he could not to look too far ahead, but he could jump ship after the year if if he has a big enough year. And obviously, it all depends on who's playing quarterback. But back to uh, the future draft prospects. Who are some guys? And if you agree with me, who are some guys who could be? You know. Players in the future from this Central Michigan team.
3: I totally agree
0: with you. I, I think Pimpleton is. I don't know if he's if he's going to jump ship. If he's going to be able to to leave early. I, I, I just don't think so. Um, I I do think that he is going to be a, a guy that gets serious looks from NFL teams. He is undersized. That mm-hmm. is not mm-hmm. a secret. I mean he. I mean I think he's even referred to it a few times himself. But. He, he he is one of those guys that like Christian said, I mean he completely changes the game. I mean he had a, a punt, like Christian said, that was called back and it was the first punt return for a touchdown in a decade since Antonio Brown did one took one back in two thousand and nine. For just for, for whatever for Edward's worth, I think Pimpleton does take one back in twenty twenty. Um, if when when and if they're able to play in twenty twenty, right. but I think I think he uh, I think Pimpleton takes care of that. Um Troy Brown, I I agree. He is a guy that's going to get looks. I think he does need to prove a little bit more. Yes. Um, he he has that big big time big time ability, and I think he's been able to learn a lot from guys that came before him. Briones um, comes to mind.
1: Uh, Oliver. MJ. Michael Oliver.
0: Thank you. Michael and, Oliver. Uh,
1: Malik Fountain too. That's,
0: that was, um, I apologize if, to whoever might be listening. That was a name I could not think of. It was it was right on the tip of my tongue, but yes, uh, Malik Fountain and Michael Oliver last year, who's a very quiet leader, but still he's again, more of a leader by example, but Michael Oliver definitely was able to, Put some, give some wisdom to the to the linebackers now. Um yeah, I, I don't know. And uh I apologize. What was uh, Paul Lewis, right? third day, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean he's kind of a guy like Jonathan Ward that I mean, he doesn't turn the ball over very much. Um but if he can find a way to kind of knock some guys around a little bit more, kinda of like what Jonathan Ward can do then he's, he's definitely going to get some, some big-time looks, um, maybe even after next year um, from, from some NFL teams, and then definitely if he can bring that to senior year as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would say that same thing. I mean, Pimpleton, I, I don't think he leaves after next season just because he's undersized, so that's going to hurt draft value anyway. And with less than 1,000 yards this year, he would need probably like 1,600 or 1,800 all-purpose yards to really justify and to move far enough up draft boards where I Mm -hmm. think anyone would think it's reasonable. But, I mean, there's a spot for a guy like that who can maybe, you know, play Wildcat quarterback or play slot receiver and be be in the backfield as a running back who can do a lot of different things as well as return punts and kicks. So I think he's got an opportunity there. And we'll see what the tape shows here to kind of move that along. You know, same thing with Kobe Lewis. I mean, he's a good size running back similar to Ward and, but he has that same issue where he fumbled a handful of times this year. Yes. Ball state. In spots where you're like, okay, you just had a really good run and now you're fumbling it. So can he erase some of those? And I think Troy Brown might be the biggest surprise of this because it, and Austin, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought he he came into Central Michigan as a safety.
1: Yes, he came down from from safety.
2: which to linebacker and really in one year as a starting linebacker made I think dramatic improvements and learned the position fairly well. I mean, there's a lot of room to grow, but for playing linebacker for a season, I think he's got I think he's got potential and you you look at he had, you know, 91 tackles and the, you know handful of interceptions. I want to say three interceptions and a couple of pass breakups. That's those are pretty good stats, you know, for a linebacker in the pass. So I think he's he's a name that, you know, as the years go on, you know, after next year and into the into his senior season could maybe, you know, really start to build up build up some momentum to, you know, impress impress a few people and at least, you know, get a combine invite along with some of that other stuff to prove that he belongs. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Chris, that was, a, that was a great thought there, my man. Um, yeah, so guys kind of just wrapping it up here. Um, what are some of your, your guys' final thoughts on, on the, everything that we talked about? You know, it could be you know, draft as a whole, CMU picks. You know what? What are some of your guys' final thoughts?
1: I mean, it's it makes me miss football. You know, it's an exciting. It's exciting to get out here and, and chat a little bit about it. Um, it makes me excited for the future of the Chippewas because, you know, you, you're speculating on guys that are already gone, but but what what's to come with these guys? You know, a guy like Troy Brown who comes in as a taller safety, puts a little bit of muscle on, and there's a place for a linebacker who can come out of the backfield and cover a running back um, in the Mid American Conference, given that something everything's so wide open and. So it's exciting to think about what guys like that can be going forward and it's it's pretty pretty cool to think that 365 days from now we're going to be sitting here talking about the next batch of Chippewas and and what they did this year, you know, assuming there is uh, a this season per se. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I mean we'll see. I think the biggest question mark looking forward is who plays quarterback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like who plays quarterback, not just next season. I mean, there's a a whole lot up in the air there, but going forward, you know, for Jim McElwain and, and company, but I think on the positive side of things, I think Khalil Pimpleton is going to be used even more than he was last season. I mean, Evan wrote that, you know, a mailbag article and even, you know, some hints, he might play quarterback a handful of times. So I mean, what is Pimpleton and, you know, what is Jim McElwain and, and you know, Charlie Fragan to draw up for Pimpleton that really show off his explosiveness and some of the things he can do aside from, you know, just catch the ball. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun to see as he progresses and gets, I guess, used to the offense. Cause that was also his first year here. You know, he, he didn't play here. His you know, he didn't originally come here. So I think that, the more he gets used to McIlwain and what they're trying to do i think i think we can expect big things from him and that's that's exciting looking forward cuz CMU hasn't had that in the last couple of years i mean you think of the last exciting kind of receiving core and it was really led by a tight end in Conklin so yeah you know and that was still 3 or 4 years ago at this point yeah
0: i mean absolutely and and to kind of Cement that point. I mean, there there is some a lot of uncertainty at the quarterback position for CMU this year. So using Pimpleton as that that wildcat, kind of like what they did with Tommy Lazaro last year. Yeah. Um, that I mean that that system worked really really well. Um, I mean and it, I mean it saved it saved CMU so many times. Um, you know they get into a third and. Decent third, third in, in, in medium, I guess, and you just get the ball to Zaro and just let him run, or you know he even threw, what I think he threw two passes last something year, something like that, something like that, and yeah, I mean the, that system kind of came out to be a little bit later in the year, but it's still, I think if you have a system like that from the very get go, you're, you're you're you might you might be able to find a a lot of success, and um, you know the. the this game behind me, the, the Albany game comes to mind, you know, the, the offense had times of explosion, then sometimes that it's stalled out. And I think if you have that, that same two quarterback system, you, you might have, you might have a little bit more success against, against a team and be able to kind of dominate a team and put them away a little bit quicker. But, um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, it's definitely exciting to be talking about football once again, um, it, it just seems very weird because it's like, oh, yeah, I'm so excited about football. and we're, I mean, obviously I, I'll, be, I'll be the one to kind of burst the bubble here. Christian already kind of put it too, but I'm going to completely burst the bubble. We don't know if there's going to be football played uh, in September like, like scheduled. You know, I'm hearing rumblings that season might start it later. They might even be able to start it right on time, but it just depends on uh, whether or not co- college campuses open back up and are ready for the school year because uh, if they're not, then uh, commissioners don't want to, don't want to play. Uh, so you, you could see, you could see, you know, maybe even a spring football season, which would just be completely bizarre. I, I, I don't think we would ever see something like it again. that could have ramifications for years and years and years and it just mm-hmm. could get, it could get ugly. It could get, it could get really messy or could, uh, everything could just go away and, and we can get back to whatever normal looks like for the rest of us but guys thank you guys uh so much for uh for joining us um well i'll be back in just a couple minutes to talk about talk with uh ben raven from Live about the detroit lions and their nfl draft expectations Welcome back. I'm I'm joined by Benjamin Raven of the Lions beat reporter for M Live. Is a CMU grad and a Grand Central Magazine alum. Benjamin how you, how are you doing um amid I, the whole uh coronavirus pandemic are are you uh you doing well keeping some kind of sanity?
3: Yeah, doing well. I pretty much haven't been out of my house since the combine down in Indianapolis. So starting to go a little crazy, but luckily free agency and the draft have kept me busy. So not too many complaints there. I know it's been a lot harder on other people in my shoes. Right. Fair enough. And um, I want to say thank you for
0: taking some time out of your, out of your busy, hectically busy week. Uh, The NFL draft coming up this weekend. Um, We'll jump right into it. Uh, Lions have the number three pick. Mm-hmm. I've been hearing some rumblings. of uh, A lot of mock drafts and, and stuff like that have Jeff Okuda from Ohio State yeah. as, as the guy that the Lions are going to pick at number three. Um, you know, how realistic, uh, or I guess... What are your thoughts on on that? Is is do you think he's going to be the guy? Do you maybe think the Lions might make a move, maybe trade away that that third pick for mm-hmm. something else down the line? Or I don't
3: yeah, know. I think they're they're top option. They want to move back. They want to move back. They want to add a couple assets, but I do think Okuda's at the top of their board outside of Chase Young because that's the big thing there. If Washington changes everything up and doesn't take Chase Young, I think the Lions stay there. They take young, but if young is off the board, I think they're doing everything in their power to trade back because they think they can get Okuda at five, six, or even seven, maybe.
0: Okay, um, and you know, uh, I guess in in that first round, um, you know, what, what who who are some of the guys that they might also be looking at mm-hmm. as some of those assets to to fill um, fill some of the some of the holes, uh, some of some of the other roles that they have.
3: Yeah some of the needs yeah some first round options outside of it's Young and then Okuda and then I think it goes Isaiah Simmons right behind those two and then I think it's Derek Brown and then as crazy it is I think it's Tua as their fifth option right there I mean just by default I don't see it as a possibility I've never bought into it but those are kind of like when we talk about the five most likely picks it goes Young, Okuda, Brown Simmons and Tua those are the five guys we see most likely at number three but if they do move back I mean tackle is not out of the question you got Werfs, you got Becton I love Josh Jones's game from Houston I've got him way too high up in the draft compared to others but I think he's there and I, I think if they trade back I mean tackle an interior guard is not out of the question late first round early second round because Taylor Decker's on the last year of his deal Rick Wagner's gone Graham Glasgow has gone and they still have a giant hole on the interior of the line because they've replaced Glasgow with Wiggins who's coming off of a torn bicep. So, you know, there's a lot of holes. I mean, they need receiver depth. It's all over the board. I mean, but I think right behind the defensive needs, it's offensive line and wide receiver. Those are the top behind that. Right on. And
0: it's, it's interesting that you, you brought up Tua. Um, we talked about him in our, in our, our segment befores one of those guys that we're just not sure about, obviously the injury that he suffered kind of late in the year. Um, I mean, workout tape shows to be, shows to be good. Um, shows, shows that he can be, looks like he's ready to roll. Um, I mean, how, how realistic do you think it is for him to be one of the, one of the top picks uh, maybe even within the top 10. And if something happens where he, he slips, I mean, you think the Lions would, would want to take him? Even you know, a, lot, a lot of fans would argue against that, I think. So.
3: Yeah, yeah. And, and I've never been on that to a train, but, like, I mean, it's really important to remember that before his injury, this was the consensus number one pick. I mean, as accurate as a quarterback gets. And a left-hand too, so he's got that kind of uniqueness to him that makes him little – people don't think about that. That's more difficult to defend. You know, that completely flips the defense. I mean, he's got all those things working for him. But that hip injury, you know, the best way it was described to me at the Combine. It wasn't described as a catastrophic sports injury. They're like, this is a traumatic injury. You get in like a highway car accident. Like this is a very, very real, real injury. And the concerns are real, but I mean, the the quarterback talent is there. And I I don't think Tua goes past pick seven. I just do not see him slipping. I haven't bought into Herbert over Tua just yet, but, uh, yeah, I don't see him slipping past seven, but if the Lions trade back and somehow somebody picks Herbert at three or just chaos reigns supreme and two is still sitting there at seven, I think he – I mean, he's got so much trade value just in his name alone, even if they don't keep him on the roster. If he's there at seven, I mean, you're looking at a potential move right there because there's more than two quarterback-needy teams in the board. Yeah. Right, absolutely.
0: Um, yeah, the the one – just kind of on a, on a random note, the the one play that comes to mind when you you think about flipping the whole field is is that touchdown pass he threw in the national championship game a couple years ago against Georgia. That that pump fake mm-hmm. and and his receiver is wide open because that defending yeah. that left hander is, mm-hmm. is definitely different. Yeah. Um, now, kind of going going back to the Lions and looking at their draft as a whole, what are I guess some of and I know you kind of, you already laid it out a little bit, but you know, what are, I guess, some of your expectations, offensive heavy, defense heavy. Um, I mean, they'll, they'll have yeah.
3: quite a few picks, you know, what are, so I guess what are your, some of your thoughts going into it? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we talked to Bob Quinn on Friday, last Friday, we did a little zoom call like this with Bob Quinn. And uh, he kind of just said, we focused on our defense and free agency to try and get those veteran players who are also familiar with our system because we want our defense to be ready on day one and there might not be an offseason program. So I, I, I really think the first pick is going to be defense because they need one more impact starter. And then I think it's going to leave lean offense pretty heavily on day two. I think they're going to grab a receiver or two. I think they're going to go interior offensive line. People don't want to hear it. A, t- a third tight end is not out of the question. A running back isn't out of the question, but I think it starts with wide receiver and interior line at the top of day two. And then the next pick is going to be whatever they don't grab there because all three of their main wide receivers are on the final years of their deal. Jones is off another injury, and Danny Amendola is 35 years old. And there's still some big money on the way for Galladay. So, I mean, I've got them taking two receivers in the draft. I think they'll take two there, but that, I think they need a starting guard, and it might have to be a rookie. And you've got to go day two, top of day two, if you need a starter.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and kind of, again, looking at it as a whole, what do you think is a good – And it's kind of a two-part question. What do you think would be a a successful draft class for the Lions? And then conversely, what do you think would be a disaster draft class?
3: Yeah, it's uh, it's a good – a a, a successful class is getting either – okuda simmons or young if they get one of those three guys i think they're leaving that draft feeling really really good but the perfect draft is you get a starter day two at the top of day two for the guard so you can play big v at tackle the guy that they paid like a tackle they're already talking about playing at guard because they have such a hole there so um, i you need a day two interior offensive line starter you need a fourth option at wide receiver and if you compare that with one of those three defensive guys that's a win any trade back at this point is a win it's not going to be two first rounders like people thought but if this team moves back yeah there's more assets they've already I think I saw a ranking the other day they have the third most draft capital already there's a chance they could have even more they're not going to top Miami but any move back for more picks is a win now a loss in my book is taking a quarterback that high is reaching on an offensive tackle I this team isn't going to get better without another impact starter on defense, and that's what the first pick has to be. Like, I, I, I'm really high on the needed offensive line and wide receiver, but it's got to be defense first. And if, if it's not defense first, I've got some major problems with that, and I'll be giving it a bad grade if they reach on a tackle that high or reach on a Tua or a Herbert. You know, I, I just think that's, they're in a win-now year from ownership, and you can't play around. You need an impact starter right away. And I think that's what they're going to do. That's what I expect at least.
0: Right on. Right on. Now, not sure if it's a curveball to you here, but have you, have you been, I mean, have you done any kind of, any research on any, any guys coming out of CMU, um, maybe Jonathan Ward or maybe even Devon Jameson, anybody, anybody, uh, any, anybody from CMU that, that you've been looking at or that AB could get yeah. some
3: in NFL this one still counts but he transferred out of CMU Mike Donna who went to Michigan last year and kind of really didn't really have a productive year at Michigan you know that was somebody I kind of caught at at the back end of my CMU career I I think he's an NFL pass rusher I think he needs about 10-15 pounds I mean he was dominant at CMU for those two or three seasons when he was on the field just a specialty pass rusher if they can get him in the sixth or seventh round he can carve out a role he needs to put on some weight but Mike Donna is a really impressive pass rusher I liked his work at CMU, and then, you know, he didn't get a ton of reps at Michigan. But when he was on the field, you know, you can see those glimpses of like, oh, there's a really next level athletic pass rusher in here. But that's, a, and the quarterback, you know, I, I think he'll get a couple looks as an undrafted. I think he'll get a camp invite, you know, I, I, but that's pretty much it for me that Mike Donna's the top of the top. And I know he wasn't at CMU last year, but you now he graduated from CMU. So I'll, I'll, I'll count that one. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. And you're right. I mean, he, he, he did make, you know, like you said, he didn't quite get on the field as mm-hmm. much as I think he would have hoped to at Michigan. Yeah. Uh, but he definitely made the most of, of the uh, reps that he got. Um, I remember he maybe, – maybe it was the Ohio State game. He made, made a couple of yeah. big plays in that game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, was, yeah, kind of able to uh, maybe not stick out quite as much, like I said, as he may have wanted to. But I, I totally agree yeah. with you. He's, he's, he definitely
3: could find yeah. a – and somebody asked me the other day like who's the player most hurt by the absence of pro days and like the in prospect it's like i thought of mike donna because like he didn't have those reps at michigan it's like his time to shine was in a pro day you know when they're like wow this kid's got wheels why wasn't he on the field oh because he was at michigan behind three other vipers so it's just you know it's something like that he's gonna have a tough time getting on boards without those pro days but that was the name that came to mind a couple of times
0: absolutely um so I guess just uh, my my last question for you is, uh, what, you know, I guess some of your your final thoughts. I mean, it, covering a, a live sporting event for the first time in what seems like ever. Um, you know, what what are some of your guys' I guess final thoughts as, uh, on the draft as a whole? And like I said, actually covering something
3: live for once. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be strange. You know, it's going to be strange because I'm at home and I'd usually be out in Allen Park. You know, you'd get Bob Quinn, you get Patricia, and then you get the player teleconference right after the pick. And it's like, we're all going to be at home. And it's just, it's really weird just because, you know, it feels like yesterday we were just at the combine, but, you know, looking forward to some like live actual stuff going on, you know, I've done enough lists in the last couple of weeks to last me a year. So just uh, looking forward to some new stuff to write about. That's for sure. Absolutely. Um, well Ben thank you thank
0: you so much for for your time for for joining for joining a podcast today I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it and it's always always great to hear from uh, fellow fellow Chippewas um and folks listening make sure you check out uh Benjamin's Benjamin's work on on MLive um not just from the draft but as as uh, yeah. as the season kind of gets presumably as as the season <laughs> starts to roll around and always make sure you checking up on your former Chippewas as well. And for, for Christian and Andy uh, and for myself, thank you all so much for, for listening and even watching. Uh, make sure you follow along with us on Twitter at CM Life at CM Life Sports. Three of us are pretty easy to find at, on Twitter. And you can also follow Ben on Twitter at Benjamin S. Raven. Um, other than that, make sure you always, again, follow along with us on cm-life.com. We'll talk to you guys again really soon. Thanks, guys.